The following podcast contains naughty language, things you wouldn't want your parents or your children to hear. But frankly, we don't give a Thank you for joining us again. This is Paul Wilson. And I'm Danny Voss. And you're listening to the Diesel Performance Podcast. Uh, as always, thank you for all of the hits that we've had on YouTube and Facebook, as well as Danny. You've been killing it over here on Instagram and Snapchat, huh? Man, every time I get into my Snapchat, I have at least 30 people that I'm adding on there. It's oh, crazy. It's just it's just blowing up. I also want to say I've noticed the Twitter account. Yeah. Extremely active lately. Please, yeah, go ahead, tweet at DuramaxTuner.com. Um, we don't have one here at the podcast, but Danny and I do watch that account as well. Future episodes we have coming up, a lot of drag racing. We're really kicking off June and maybe even trickling into July here with our drag race month. It's the peak of the season. It's when everybody's truck is ready and still running. Uh, so we're going to bring on Anthony Reams from XDP, yeah. Brian Spooner with the blown smoke truck. Uh, we're going to talk about emissions equipment in the future here with Danny Voss uh, and Nick Pregnitz and probably bring Mike Kennedy back into the conversation. I also have... PSP Diesel lined up to mm. do a episode on myths about six liters. Bah, bah, bah. I'm assuming the myth is that a six liter is worth buying. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then I don't know, I'm thinking something for sled pulling here in the future. Yep. We're going to have to start digging into the dirt and uh, and talking to these guys and getting these guys involved on the podcast as well. Which time. We have quite a few lined up, but quite a few requests. Also, the most requested podcast topic, which I'm actually informing Danny and our producer Rich of right now, is currently motor builds. So we're going to have to get our heads together here in the next couple of weeks, and we will be putting something together for motor builds for the future. Um, today, though, I thought we'd talk a little bit more about NHRDA super street legend Rob Coddens. Rob, how's it going today? Oh, it's going great for Friday. <laughs> you said it. Absolutely. Rob, thank you so much for joining us. Obviously, Rob Coddens, if you guys don't know, is also known as Idaho Rob, the super street legend. Uh, you've been racing in NHRDA Longer than I've been playing with trucks. I'll give you that, Rob. Yeah, I think it's been uh, 10 years at least. Um, I have one of the earliest numbers in the NHRDA, and it's been uh, it's been great having a place to race. If you go onto Google and you search Rob Cotton's NHRDA, you'll come up with about a 100 or so different records. Currently are a record holder for mile per hour. Is that correct in the Super Street class? I believe it still is, yes, from last year. Gotcha. Yeah, 152.88 is what NHRDA.com had posted. That is cooking, man. Yeah, it's not not too bad for a big old vehicle, 6,000-pound four-wheel drive truck. Um, I went uh, in the UCC Challenge here just recently. It went 154-plus something. So we've beefed up the horsepower a little bit this year. I haven't made an NHRA uh, DA event yet this year, but I'm planning on making the Woodburn event, and that's a great track. So with this new horse part we have this year, uh, hoping to set that record a little better. That's awesome. That's awesome. Rob's truck, if you don't know, is called Maxed Out. Uh, it's all over anything diesel performance related, so it shouldn't be too hard to find for our listeners. But Rob, before we get too far into this, I always like to ask our guest, how did you get started in diesel performance? Um, I've always been in racing, uh, basically my whole life, uh, road race motorcycles around the country, uh, did a lot of drag racing when I was in my late teenage years through the 20s, um, basically started a family and didn't have uh, much money to have a, a separate race vehicle, so I was in construction and I had a, a diesel pickup truck, and well, we have a local track next to us, and I just had the bug and thought, well, I'll take my diesel truck and go out there and embarrass myself, and uh, turned out <laughs> to actually start doing quite well with it and that kind of started the whole diesel um oh my interest in the diesel sports 
So nope. tell us a little bit about your truck. What year, make and model is it? And it started out obviously stock and it's progressed to maxed out what it's at today. And uh, we'd love to hear kind of some details on, you know, what you've done to this thing and what motors in there. Um, that truck, I started out racing just my street trucks. This truck in 2008, um, a friend of mine, Ken Flory, decided that uh, he wanted to have the fastest diesel in the country, and he purchased this truck off a farm, uh, just a single cab, 2002 GMC, and brought me in uh, to get involved in uh, helping with the build. And that uh, progressed in 2009. I finished the complete build, and we went out and campaigned it the very first time on the track. It, it broke both records, the ET and the mile-per-hour record in Super Street back in 2009. I think it was running mid-10, something along those lines. So um, that was a dedicated race truck right from the get-go. That was our plans with it. And um, years ago, I, I bought out uh, the other party, and, and it's been my truck for, for many years now. This is Nick with Calibrated Power Solutions. We're happy to sponsor the podcast because we believe knowledge is power. Everyone in the diesel performance aftermarket needs accurate, fact-based information to get the most out of their truck, you included. So be sure to check out calibratedpower.com or duramaxtuner.com for reliable info that you can count on. And if you'd like to talk to us, give us a call, 815-568-7920. That's 815-568-7920. Back to the podcast. That's awesome. What a cool project when somebody comes to you and says, like, hey, do you want to get involved? And you just really run with it and crush the competition. Mid-10s back in 09 was unheard of, Mm -hmm. to be honest with you. Yeah, I was rolling pretty good at the time. And, you know, I was very fortunate. I had a a lot of good help. Um, Nathan with MPI, he did a twin setup on it. He was the originator of twins on the Duramaxes, and he was a good friend and still is. And uh, he had a lot of help. We had um, some of the biggest names in the industry helping us out with it. So it wasn't like I just, uh, you know, picked pieces off and, and developed them myself. We had a lot of good support throughout the years. That's so important. You know, we hear that on every major build about the support team and what goes in behind it. Uh, one of the questions I had for you today, Rob, was how how long, obviously this truck's been around now for seven years. Did I get the math correct on that? Um, yeah, I think we're in our eighth season, something along those lines. Eighth season with this truck. How has the build changed throughout the years? Uh, what You said it was a set of twins. How big were the twins the first time out and how big are they now? Actually, they're very similar to what they were the very first time out. This truck hasn't changed much at all. Um, it, uh, the big charger on it is just an off-the-shelf Garrett uh, 5541, so it's a 106 millimeter. The uh, high-pressure charger we've changed around a few different times. It's had um, oh, Garrett's on it, uh, 4202s were basically the stable for most of the years. Now we've got a, a fleece uh, S400 base. Um, Braden and Chase Fleece built me a, a turbo there, and that's actually picked up our horsepower Oh, two or three miles an hour in the quarter mile, just making that change. So, um, but basically, the truck's been uh, the same for all these years. We've just dialed in, you know, little things here and there: uh, suspension, the tuning part, uh, the injectors. SoCal Diesel builds the motor, so they're working on things for us every year. We we get a new motor, and and they do their little tweaks. And it it's not big leaps in horsepower; it's just maybe a mile per hour. Uh, on the quarter mile, you know, so it's it's not huge, but over the years, we've just been able to fine-tune everything. That's awesome. What, how big of injectors and pump do you run for something like that, then? 
As far as the injectors, I do not know. Uh, Exergy builds the injectors. I send them to them, and I say, this is what I'm doing with the truck, and I don't ask for numbers. I don't ask for flow charts. I don't ask for anything. I just say, give me the, you know, what you can do for me, and those injectors have been in this truck now, I think, four seasons. Um, Just work great. We've run in... um, I uh, have one Exergy pump and one uh, an old pump we started right from the very beginning back in 2009. It was from Shane at Wicked Diesel. I think he changed their company name to maybe Diesel Motorsports or something. But anyway, that pump's still alive there, too. So as far as the size of the injectors, you know, I'm guessing probably 250%. Uh, but that's just a guess on my part by um, kind of all the years of tuning different vehicles and different size injectors. It's kind of what I feel they are. That's awesome. That's a lot of blind faith. I mean, I believe you in having it with Exergy. They're a phenomenal company, but um, wow, that's a that's a lot of trust in in somebody to just say, "This is what I'm doing. Send me something that works." I like that. Well, you know, SoCal Diesel building the motors, they work very closely with the engineers at Exergy also. So it's uh, been a collaboration between all of us, and um, the tuning is easy when uh, when I have a good good engine and a good set of injectors and a good set of pumps. That's awesome. That's awesome. How about the trans? What do you got underneath that? Um, we're running a Duraflight. Uh, we started with that back in 2009, uh, just knowing, um, talking to Buck and Jess uh, over in uh, the east part of the country. They were one of the first innovators of running a Duraflight behind a Duramax. They were the first 10-second Duramax. And we talked with them before we put the build together, and we just knew that uh, the Allison was going to be a big struggle. So we went right ahead with a, uh, a Suncoast Duraflight. And um, that tranny lasted all that year and was worked out great. And since now, we have um, a company called Calvin's Automotive in Louisiana. I've been building the trannies now for, I think, four years now. Can you explain a little bit about what a Duraflight is yeah. and how it's different from an Allison? Basically, what a Duraflight is, it's a, it's a 4748 RE Dodge tranny. So it's based on the old Torque Flight, um, 727 Torque Flights that have been around, I think, since the 50s. Um, basically, when they built them for the Dodge trucks behind the Cummins, they put an overdrive unit in a lockup converter. Um, so Suncoast has made an adapter kit that basically is a bolt-up uh, Dodge tranny. You bolt it behind the, the Duramax. And you can bolt your stock GM transfer case right up to that. All your drive lines fit. Everything fits. And then you run a, um, you can either run a manual valve body or a PCS electronic uh, valve body where it shifts itself. So how often do you have to refresh this transmission, get in there and rebuild it? Usually the tranny will um, be great for a season, if not two seasons. The torque converters um, took us a while. We, we've gone back and forth with different torque converters. We were losing those, you know, anywhere from a race to every two races we'd have to swap out a torque converter. Now, over the years, we've got it figured out. Um, we've changed different input size, uh, input shaft sizes, um, and we've figured out what the, uh, the best setup for us is. And now our torque converter lives usually for half a season, so about mid-season we will swap that out, and two torque converters will last a full season. So that's just a ratchet shifter you got there with the Duraflight? It is. I've tried manual valve body, but I, I couldn't shift the truck fast enough if I uh, if I lost traction, which is very common in that truck. So I've gone back now to an electronically controlled um, uh, transmission controller. Basically, I can set the shift points. I can set, set the converter lockup, uh, those type of things. So it's uh, basically, it's a plug and play. I put the thing in drive, and I get it spooled up, and I take off. Awesome. Are you Told the you only one? <laughs> no, it's not. Stop it. <laughs> Are you the only one that gets to pilot this automobile here? 
Um, lately, my wife actually campaigned it for a full year. Um, she's uh, licensed uh, drag racers. She's licensed down to 750 in, in the quarter, and um, she's a pretty good racer. <clears throat> we uh, Our kids are teenagers now, so that kind of took precedence over her driving and traveling because the traveling, you know, is a wear and tear, and it's a lot of time away. So hmm. she did it for a year. Um, she had a blast with it, and basically um, the family took precedence, and I jumped back in the driver's seat of it. I have to give it to women. They are better at shooting guns than us, and they also are really good at drag racing when they focus on those things. Yeah. You know, I don't know if it's having kids or what it is, but, yeah, they're they're very calm, and uh, my wife shoots better than I do, too, which is embarrassing <laughs> myself. But um, she's better. She's always had better reaction times on the Christmas tree and the drag strip, too. So um, she's a better racer than I am. I'm just uh, fortunate enough that uh, she's got other things to do. <laughs> you got to limit that competition. I like it. I like it. Well played plan. All right. Um, Danny, I know you're just dying uh, to ask. I got to know is this thing a spray and pray deal? Are you spraying it and you're not worried about it? Or do you spray the piss out of it and you pray afterwards or before? Tell us a little bit about your nitrous setup. Um, actually, for all the years we've had it, we've had a little uh, purge solenoid. It's a very small solenoid. We run a, a 30 thousandths jet. And that's really because a lot of the tracks out here are high altitude. We've raced where the DA was over seven, 8,000 feet. And it just, I found it saves my converters to be able to, to just bump that button when I'm staging. Um, normally, I don't use nitrous at all going down the track. If I'm in a close race, which uh, the last couple of years, there's a lot of people that are as fast, if not faster than myself. So I'm using that button a little more and more. But it's still a very small jet. Um, during the UCC challenge this year was the first time I put a 70 jet in it. Um, and, you know, we picked up a couple more mile per hour. So I'm not a big nitrous guy. I really don't know a whole lot about it. Um, I don't have a bottle heater. I don't have, you know, all that fancy stuff. I just have a little jet in there that if I need it when I'm going down the track, I'll use it. Um, but if I, if I know I'm ahead of the guy, I don't, I don't push the button because usually bad things happen. <laughs> so that's making up for your reaction time that your wife would usually get for you. <laughs> right. Fortunately, my reaction time is usually better than most people on the track outside of my wife. So I don't need to use it a lot. Nice. Hey, if we're talking reaction time from professionals, what do you shoot for? What's a good reaction time for you, Rob? Zero, zero, zero. Uh, perfect tree. What are you talking about? <laughs> On a four-tenths pro tree, and that's what NHRDA uses, most uh, like when I race here locally, which is almost every weekend, we run a sportsman tree or a five-tenths pro tree. So four-tenths pro tree, uh, for me, with that big truck, if I can cut a .09 to a .10, uh, that's right in my range, and that's usually better than most people on there, um, you know, in a 6,000-pound vehicle with four-wheel drive. The, the front tires are so big, the rollout, you know, basically when it's going to break through that reaction time beam uh, is tougher. So uh, if I can get in that .09, I'm super happy. If I'm in that .12, I'm still pretty happy. If I'm in .2, then I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not doing my job You're very sleeping. Well. we got to hit you on the head with a ball-peen hammer. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, that still beats my .4 as best ever, so that that's all right. <laughs> Sorry. How long would you say you were racing before you really, in the truck, how long were you racing diesels before you really started to get good at it, or at least mediocre or decent at it? 
Well, fortunately, I've, I've drag raced uh, a lot of stuff throughout the years. So it took my street truck back in 04, 05 when I started racing it here at the local track against the, in the pro division. It didn't take me very long, and I was um, I won some events against you know pro gas cars and things like that. So my reaction times on the sportsman trees are usually pretty darn good with that truck, and and they were the truck was very consistent. My my previous street trucks that I also raced. Um, this truck, the maxed out truck, is more built for a heads-up type race. I have cut triple O lights with it on Sportsman Trees when I run it here at the local track, um, but for the most part, it's, it's more of a heads-up rig where I'm not really uh, worried about its reaction time, because if I can get in the, on that pro tree, like I said, that point one, it's, it's usually going to be enough to win. And it's fast for our listeners. If they've never experienced a pro tree, you need to go check one out. Download an app and kind of play with it and know how fast that tree drops. Yeah. And if you blink, you're going to miss it. Yeah, that's wild. They're tough. I mean, any tree, especially from somebody getting started, is tough. But, yeah, as you start to make that that drop quicker and quicker and quicker, that's just less and less time you have to prepare. Um, I know for me one of the hardest part of drag racing is really staying focused, staying there's three things going on. Right. And, and I always joke about drag racing being so easy. You just line up at the, at the tree and launch it. Right. Like how hard could it be? But the, there's a lot of buttons. There's a lot of lights. There's a lot of things to keep in mind. How hard am I staging it? You know, looking at the opponent, knowing who you're racing against. So for me, focused, I know, is the hardest part. How about you, Rob? What's the hardest part of drag racing for you? Um, I think basically preparation. Um, if I could recommend anything to, to the listeners and people who are drag racing is do everything the same each time, no matter what. Um, you know, backing into the burnout box, uh, rolling up, pre-staging, uh, how you get up on boost, how you uh, roll into your, your full stage beam. If you do that the same every time, um, if something happens, which it usually does, you know, your opponent rolls through the lights or maybe deep stages on you or uh, someone breaks in front of you and, and you are sitting on the starting line for five minutes waiting for a cleanup. If you do everything the same way each time, you're less frazzled when those problems uh, occur. So, um, you know, when you're in the staging lanes, you just get that through your head. If you have to make a little list on your dashboard, I've done that many times, and you just follow that, and you try to do everything identical, even if it's your 2,000th time pulling up to the beams. You try to do that each time uh, the same way. You don't want to make that rookie mistake. Yeah. Consistency, I like that. We do. Things happen all the time. You forget to turn your lift pump on or you do something, you know, like that. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, things happen. But um, the more you practice and the more you try to do do things the same way, the less chance for mistakes. What else is included in your preparation routine? Do you do anything before you go to the event? Is there a a check-down list you go through the day of the event? Or is it just once you show up, you get into the mindset? Yeah, it really is. Once I roll into, you know, hopefully your your truck is ready to roll. It's it's very tough to um, not have the truck ready, get to event, and then try to try to finish up your finishing touches at the event. Because, you know, people come up, they want to talk to you. I want to talk to them. I want to explain, <clears throat> you know, give them the answers that they're looking for. And I don't want to have to be running around the truck, you know, looking for tools and things like that. So basically the truck should be ready when you roll in. And when I roll through that gate, when I pay my fee, you know, it's game on and and I feel that I'm the best there. And so you have to have that mindset that, you know, you're going to go out to win. Um, You know, mechanical things happen. Sometimes I make mistakes and and that's all part of it. And that's, you learn from those mistakes and, and that's how you grow as a racer. 
See, Paul, that's how a professional prepares. He doesn't close the bar down the night before, wake up, you know, an hour late, and then get to the track and hope for the best, burping up bubbles from the night before. I, I don't see the problem. I, that's a part of my ritual. That's how I prepare. He just said he doesn't do anything. It's You don't have to get ready until you get to the track, per Rob Cottons. That's, that's a quote now. <laughs> One of the benefits we've found in the last few years is we have a, a motorhome now. that So we stay at the, the track, and that really... Um, helps um, stay calm through everything because you're not trying to find your hungover crewmates and you know trying to figure out where they were the night before and how to find them to get them to breakfast to get them to the track and then <laughs> then everything you know it's just a Chinese fire drill. So when we uh, we stay at the track, usually get there the evening before the event. We set everything up, get the truck out, you know, check everything, make sure the truck's running fine, and then we can relax and we can have a few beers before. Uh, the night before and then uh, you know we get up early in the morning we're ready to go we know the truck's ready and everybody's there um, we've just got time to chill out and then I can I can go in my little corner and uh, run through the checklist through my head that's awesome that's a nice way to do it and did you notice there was no bloody Mary's in the morning Paul um, pretty sure he just didn't mention it, Danny. That's uh, obviously he said breakfast so <laughs> it's a weekend breakfast bloody Mary's I don't Right. I love Bloody Marys, but not on race day. No, I, I hear you. I hear you. <laughs> What's funny is they, they tease me because I can't have one Bloody Mary and drive. I'm a rookie. I'm, I just end up KO'd and sleep for the day. <laughs> um, okay, but but Rob, tell us about a little bit more about your experience with NHRDA. You've been doing it for so long. Uh, like you said, you had one of the earliest or one of the earliest numbers issued in the NHRDA series. Can you maybe explain a little bit about what the NHRDA is and tell us more about your your life in it? It really started off in the northwest, uh, up where we are, basically Washington, uh, Oregon. Um, I was racing here locally just in the gas events with my diesel truck, and I heard about them, and I traveled and went to uh, my first event. I think it was an 05 with them, and uh, I believe I won that event, maybe even won two classes in that event. Uh, back at the time, there were diesel racing was kind of new, and, and people would take their diesel trucks off the street and they really didn't know about drag racing or how to do it. Well, I had been racing for years. Um, and so I, I had a heads up on them. I knew how my truck was going to react. And so that started my relationship with Randy at NHRDA and, um, it's Randy just been a, a great that... home for us to go and race. It was a place that we, we could talk to people and, uh, you know, that we we're running against. We could talk to, to fans that came up. They were all interested in the diesel stuff where that, differed very much from the NHRA, which I raced a lot too. So um, it was just kind of a neat place. It was, it was a home, uh, and it still is. Um, I've run full seasons uh, where basically every event I made, I've won the national championship with them. I've won the world finals with them. I've kind of kind of done it all. Um, right now with the, the kids being older, my son is 16, and he is racing now here locally. Uh, gas stuff. So I do a lot of racing with him. So unfortunately, I'm not able to make as many events with the NHRDA as I used to, uh, but I still thoroughly enjoy it. Family first, Rob. Absolutely. For no, sure. The, it's that balance. I think that's so cool to get involved in something that was just a, a small local or, or organization that's really become, I mean, just what they stand for, the National Hot Rod Diesel Association. It is in my opinion, considered to be the biggest and the best drag racing circuit for diesels. I mean, in the country by far, there's really nothing else that even compares. Uh, a lot of been, competition. That, well, that that's what I was just going to say, as you had mentioned earlier, Rob, that competitors are starting to get stiffer and stiffer, uh, steeper and steeper builds and 
more and more stuff coming out there and more and more guys getting involved in it. How has that changed the landscape for you? Uh, are you still as competitive? Um, I believe I am. I mean, last year uh, we won two or three events. Uh, like I said, set the, we set the ET record last year and the mile per hour record. That ET record was some speed. But um, so we're still competitive, even with this old equipment. When there's no, you know, nothing is really fancy about it. It still has a full bed. It still has, you know, stock front open differential, stock uh, transfer case. It's there's nothing um, really secret squirrel about my truck at all. It's it's an open book. And um, but it is still competitive. It makes a lot of horsepower thanks to SoCal Diesel with their engine, and um, just the fine tuning we've been able to do over the years, and in, in knowing what works with it. Uh, again, it's it, there's nothing fancy about it, but the truck's just fast. <laughs> I think that's the best wrap up ever. The truck's just fast. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it, it is mic drop. Yeah, right. <laughs> like, like it is. Like I was watching you at the UCC challenge, and I've checked out quite a few of your YouTube videos of, of a lot of your races. And I mean, just consistently, it doesn't matter when I check the date for what the video was released. The truck is just, it's just fucking fast. I mean, it just moves down the track every time. It's maxed out. It's crazy to see how consistent it's been throughout the years as all of the other industry has changed. And that's something I wanted to talk to you a little bit about as well. We see the landscape of the diesel performance community changing yearly now. You, you know, now twin kits are becoming more and more common. And, you know, like, I'm sure you remember back in 09 when you were first putting that twin kit together, there was only a handful of guys that even had a twin kit out there by 2012, right? Like, even three years after you had done it. What there kind was. Of- I mean, we... I think Nathan did mine on, uh, in 06 on my street truck, and there was a lot of big-name people that were uh, very knowledgeable, or supposedly, that said it would never work, and that <laughs> there's no way it would work. And I love those guys. It, I do, too. Uh, you know, it was it was a challenge for us. Um, EFI Live came along after we had already done that, and that was uh, uh, kind of saved us because it didn't really work on a variable vane turbo. The the ECM would see all that boost and would really freak out. And so EFI Live worked with, uh, worked with us in getting some tables and some boost tables and vane position tables. And then, you know, for a street truck, it actually became very drivable. And I would tow, you know, a full camper with my whole family to a track, uh, and I would run 11 seconds, you know, and I'd hook back up the, the camper and I'd drive 500 miles home. So <laughs> it was, um, it, it was neat. It was a great, tr- it was great being in the, right in the transition when the thing, you know, when you had a 13 second diesel, that was super fast. And now where we are now, it's just incredible what guys are doing. Absolutely. You know, I would say twins changed the industry. EFI live changed the industry. I think another one of the big ones that's on people's minds recently is emissions equipment and how that's starting to change the landscape of diesel performance. What do you see in the future for diesel as far as emissions are concerned? Well, we actually have um, our my shop truck. Uh, the truck I drive every day is a 2013 Duramax and uh, ATS built a set of twins for us. It's a full compliant truck. Um, before I put the twins on, it was totally stock outside of a, a lift pump and a, an air intake and in my tuning, and it was 535 horsepower, and that's through all factory emissions with the EGR working and everything. And I really enjoy it. Living out here in the Northwest in Idaho, it's just a beautiful state, and I cringe when I see a bunch of black smoke from somebody, you know, leaving a light. And it's been enjoyable to me to be able to have a 500 horsepower daily driver truck that doesn't blow smoke, that is perfectly clean. So, um, you know, the industry has to go that way. Um, The government and I think just society is putting restrictions on everybody and we just need to figure it out. It's kind of like the old gas days back in the early 80s and 
late 70s when people were taking catalytic converters off their cars. Well, now guys are, you know, GM and Ford, they're making 700 horsepower monsters with full emissions equipment. So I, I believe we can do that too in the diesel industry. Take it from Rob that don't listen to the advice of people that haven't done something before. If you're going to do something and it's the first time, how are you going to listen to somebody that's never even attempted it before? Absolutely. Proved it with twins, proved it with emissions intact. Absolutely. And Rob, we really appreciate you on our show today because we're both on the same mountain. You know, I'm sure you hear a lot about us. I'm sure we hear a lot about you. And I know we do. We always hear your name come up in conversation with people. And it's just really neat that we get a chance to finally sit down and kind of um, feel you out and see who you are as a person. Absolutely. Well, it's been a pleasure, gentlemen. I appreciate you having me on. Not a problem at all. One thing before we let you go, uh, Rob, here, what should we have asked that you that we didn't? What else would you like to tell uh, our listeners about the diesel industry? Um, as far as uh, the drag, we can go back to the drag racing is, you know, just uh, don't be afraid to get on the track and try it. You can go to your local track and you can run against gas cars. Um, usually most uh, participants in the drag racing organizations, whether it's NHRDA, NHRA, IHRA, they're all good people. And if you have questions, you know, don't don't be afraid to ask. Get on the track. Go have some fun. You don't have to run 10 seconds. You don't have to run 13 seconds. You can run 17 seconds. I've I've had all my equipment broken. I've taken my wife's diesel bug that runs 17.7 in the quarter mile, and I go out and race that. It's just yeah. it's just fun racing. So yeah. don't be afraid if you don't have a fast truck. Just get out there and race. It's it's really a hoot. That's it, awesome. Yeah, if you don't use it, you lose it. Stay current. Stay. Uh, keep your eyes on a tree. I get to a stoplight and I'll treat people and my wife's like, stop treating everybody. <laughs> I'm like, I, I'm just practicing, honey. <laughs> just staying sharp. Yeah. Just staying sharp. Thank you again for joining us today, Rob. If people would like to get in contact with you, how should they get a hold of you? Uh, my email address is rob at atptrucks.com. Uh, our website is www.atptrucks.com. Excellent. Thanks again. This has been Paul Wilson. And I'm Danny Voss. Thanks for listening. The Diesel Performance Podcast is brought to you by Calibrated Power Solutions, home of DuramaxTuner.com, developer of performance engine and transmission calibrations for a wide variety of late model diesel powertrains, including the Duramax, Cummins, Jeep, John Deere, and many more. For more information, check out CalibratedPower.com or call 815-568-7920. That's 815-568-7920. You can also contact the hosts of the Diesel Performance Podcast. Paul Wilson can be reached at extension 2122. His email is paul at duramaxtuner.com. For Danny Voss, dial extension 2124. His email is danny at calibratedpower.com. I have to give it to women. They are better at shooting guns than us, and they also are really good at drag racing when they focus on those things.